If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, friends. It's Podcast Unlocked, episode 488 for March 30th, 2021. Ryan McCaffrey joined by Destin Legary. Bam! And we have to make it a bamtastic episode because you know why. <laughs> it's Cam's last episode for a little bit. I was gonna say you're setting me up. Just just take it. Just run. Just take the layup. Run down the court. You're Don't the pass the ball. This episode. Just go ahead and put the ball in the basket. Cam Hawkins, uh, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you all. Uh, you have uh, had one... you have had a, an awesome run with us here on Unlocked. We are going to be uh, sad to. To say uh, to say goodbye for now, as uh, as for Destin now. has come back. Damn it, Destin! <laughs> We're the collared shirt to see him off properly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cam, you've been uh, it's it's been so much fun getting to know you. I mean, we met you last year, but but really, really having you settle in with us this year, I've had a blast podcasting with you. Yeah, it's uh, been an honor. Like I, I again, like I've been a listener to the show for a very long time, so just. You know, uh, this is a dream come true, and um, I'm just very thankful that you gave me the opportunity. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners who have been super kind to me on Twitter, um, and you know, Miranda, Destin, Brandon, uh, all being so welcoming and uh, and kind. Absolutely, you earned it. Uh, you earned it. It'll be. We will see you again, no doubt. But for now, we've got a super busy show. Miranda Sanchez, how are you? I am good. Welcome you seem good. You see, I that you I can hear the the chipperness in your voice. This is good. Yeah, it's, it's been a good, good morning. It feels like it's finally <laughs> spring, so I'm yes. in good spirits. All right. Well, let's not waste any more time. Uh, our couple quick PSAs to get out of the way. Number one, again, YouTube.com/slash IGN Games. That is the new place to subscribe to get this show on YouTube. If you're watching us there, as I encourage you to do, the uh, old Unlock Channel is uh, is no more so youtube.com slash ign games the home of all of our shows now but there is an unlocked playlist there for you so uh, if you just want to go there for unlocked that is taken care of and uh 
the loot box, as you'll hear later on the show, I've, I've been great, uh, grateful to see that the questions, the video questions are starting to come back in. I'm taking those via Twitter now. So just record yourself, put, put up a, a video on Twitter of yourself asking the panel a question for the loot box segment. Tag me in it, DMC underscore Ryan, so that I see it, and then I will add it to my, I've got a, I've just started a document with everybody that's been sending them to me. So we'll get the first one of those later on in this episode. Uh, and also before I move on, I don't know if anybody else has had a chance to play yet. Just wanna just stop and say, It Takes Two from Joseph Ferris and Hazelight Studios is outstanding. Have, have any of you had a chance to play it? I have not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yes, I mean, it is tough because it's two player. I actually had to, <laughs> I had to schedule time. That's how much of an adult I, <laughs> I am at this point. I had to schedule time on my calendar Jonathan Dornbush and I started playing it. We did the first two hours. It's fantastic. And I have to be honest, I wasn't as excited about this after uh, after A Way Out, which I completely adore. I love just the sort of noir 70s drama, uh, that, that the tone of that game. And, and It Takes Two is like, could not be further from that. It is a complete like whimsical kind of part Pixar, just very colorful and light, but also with a sort of serious relationship message underneath. But the gameplay, boy, it is awesome. We played two hours and we haven't done the same thing more than once. Like it's just, it keeps mixing itself up and it's great so far. So if you've got somebody to play the game with either in your home or or a friend online, remember it's got the friend pass. So you, you can just buy it and invite a friend to play it with you. Just uh, wanted to mention that. And we gave it a nine out of 10 on IGN. So that's part of what really inspired me. Like, okay, if it's a nine, I got to play this thing. And so far, I do not disagree with that nine. Okay, uh, Friday, everybody, we had a very big ID at Xbox game showcase that was streamed live on the Xbox channels, on Twitch and on IGN. And it was a beast. It was nearly, it was upwards of four hours long. And there were so many games covered. Uh, the highlights for me, I want to go around the table here. 12 Minutes, uh, Last Stop, which is a, a new Annapurna game. We are talking about Annapurna last week. Uh, and the guy in, and not just because the guy in Last Stop looks like me, but <laughs> you'll see it in the trailer. <laughs> Moon Glow Bay, Echo Generation, which I love the demo for that's already on Xbox. And we saw a, another glimpse of Stalker 2 and a new trailer for The Ascent, which I liked a lot as well. So, um, Miranda, I know some stuff stood out for you from this as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of the ones that I actually got to write up was Death's Door. Um, so it's from the Titan Souls devs, and it just looks like an awesome sort of adventure that has like that whimsical almost Ghibli feel to it. That's what they told me. They're like kind of having some aesthetics from Ghibli, but also creepy because it's about death. Uh, so it seems cool. You play as little crow and you got to go collect some souls of some very old monsters that need to die. Um, and I'm very about it. Uh, the two worlds that you travel between, one of them is in a grayscale theme of where the crows live and it's very stylish. Like I was just hooked as soon as I saw it. So um, I'm excited for that. The combat looks super sleek. And I'm excited because another thing I, I'm, I guess, said excited for a lot of things. Uh, but um, one of the things that I am looking forward to with this was their 
how they talked about collectibles because as you guys know, I work on the guides team. And so good collectibles are so important for me. And they were saying how they designed their collectibles, which are called shiny things because crows like shiny things uh, to be something that can just be fun to look at, but also sort of allude to other secrets in the world you can find. And so that they have multi-purpose use of just going to find them for one, for the fun of it. And two, because they can actually lead you to cooler things is awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, some other ones that I've known about for a while, and I was just so happy to see spotlighted here, and I think we have um, these on a very specific list for Game Pass, um, is uh, Boyfriend Dungeon. If you guys don't know this, I've seen this at PAX before. No, it was at E3 so long ago. Uh, so Boyfriend Dungeon is a very cool game where you go into a dungeon and then you find weapons, and those weapons are also people that you can date. So it's very <laughs> up my alley. <laughs> Uh, Little Witch of the Woods, which is just a cute little adventure game. Um, I, I'm still learning more about it, too, because that one's very new to me. Uh, and it looked super cute. Um, of course, Little Witch in the Woods, just screaming my name. Uh, Wild at Heart, we've seen a few times. Last time I got to play it at the last Idea Xbox showcase during GDC, which would have been right around this time. Quite sad. But that is shaping up to be something very cool, as expected, um, just based on what we've played previously. And then another that I'm really excited for. I know I'm excited for a lot of things, but it's nice to be excited, uh, is Dead Static Drive, which I wouldn't initially think is something that I would play because it's a horror survival adventure. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that does not looks, seem like a Miranda game. It looks so cool. Like, if you just have good aesthetics for your game, I just click with it. And so the thing is, it's a top-down driving game as well, um, and they describe it as a retro Americana graphical style. Just look at this game for just two seconds and tell me you're not intrigued by it because this the style the animation just beautiful uh so that's one that i'm really looking forward to as well that is great stuff yeah there's uh that's that's the best part like i still think we need live arcade back and have a curated live arcade wednesday not that all these other games don't come out but that they the, the spotlight the best stuff because it's just the trying to sift through and find the the diamonds in the rough is is not easy. Uh, Destin. There's so much on game. Sorry, there's no, so much ahead. on Games Pass too that are just fantastic little gems that sometimes we'll just stumble across and be like, "Dang, why didn't nobody tell me about this?" And <laughs> I think the idea at Xbox, not the idea at Xbox Twitter, but that one too, and the Game Pass Twitter do a good job sometimes of, of featuring different games that are coming out, but not necessarily giving them that spotlight that you're talking about, Ryan. And I, I do want them to do that more. Destin, uh, what what jumped out at you here? Yeah, well, so. Your point, and to Miranda's point, I do want to say that back in November, Phil Spencer said Game Pass is about getting games into production, and I'm paraphrasing here, that don't fit on an Excel spreadsheet in terms of profits, right? And that's why we're getting all these inventive, new sort of experimental things. It does really feel like Summer of uh, Arcade, or that's what it was called, Ryan, back in the day, right? Oh, yes. And it, it does sort of have that feeling, and just by word of mouth, you get those standouts. The one that I've seen everybody talking about and I have actually come around on is The Ascent, right? The Ascent, this trailer really, really sold me. I think they did a really, really good job of showcasing how they're going to handle the storytelling, how they're going to continually be breaking up that perspective. Like they walk by this window at one point, and you can actually see the depth of the world. They've spent so much time on the design and the iteration of this world and showing you that how alive it is, it was really, really impressive. They even snuck in a shot with ray tracing and puddles on the ground when the characters like walk into the scene. And uh, 
it's it's really silly but during the combat there was this one scene where a bomb detonation goes off and there was ground deformation that was just like really really impressive to me and i'm like oh that's that's really really interesting so ascent is now on my list officially and there's the <laughs> ray tracing shot by the way um so yeah, really, really cool game. Uh, Moonglow Bay, I'm on the same board with you, Ryan, on that one. So Moonglow Moon Bay is a Canada lore-based game where, <laughs> if I understand correctly, the fish are manifestations of nightmares that people had about what they would encounter in the wild. And it's it, it seems like it's just done by two people who they interviewed mm -hmm. during the ID at Xbox thing. And then uh, oh, just going down the list, there's so much yeah, I could go I, over. Like I, I've decided uh, or I've realized something about myself and that chill, voxel-based, like colorful, adventure kind of games are totally my jam because <laughs> this game jumped out at me. Uh, I love the demo for Echo Generation, which was, which was featured as well. And uh, The Tourist, which launched, which you know has been out on multiple platforms, but I played it as an Xbox Series X launch title. I love that game. So <laughs> voxel-based adventure chill games. I'm all in. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to just mention Stalker 2. We just saw some guns and uh, some of the character stuff where they were changing out his teeth. You, but also cool. Uh, they've done a lot of tech demo. I want to see more about the game and what the playability of that product is actually like. And here's the, the interview where they kind of talk about some of the engine stuff that's going on. Um, you know, we've seen the world stuff, they showed weaponry, and then they showed the teeth things, but I'm going to go on to another one, sorry, producer, but uh, Astria Ascending, it's like a JRPG that's being done by yes. two, yes. by the Final Fantasy composer and uh, Final Fantasy XII designer, uh, Kazushige Nojima and Hitoshi Sakamoto, who Sak Sakamoto-san worked on Final Fantasy XII and Vagrant Story, and Nojima-san worked on Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy X in terms of writing. So really, really excited about yes. that one. It has a really unique, pretty art style. And I have to give props. Ryan, yes, I'm on the same board of 12 minutes. A few that aren't on the Game Pass deal, or at least that I don't know of, I don't think 12 minutes is. XO1, it's like this super chill game where you're like an orb, and then you turn into a discus, and you have to like traverse the land like that they have a, a really long gameplay demo on youtube you can watch and lost eidolons last one not not game pass as far as i know it's an rpg strategy <laughs> game from ocean drive studios yeah it looks like a final fantasy tactics top down thing so think fire emblem but like super high fidelity fidelity graphics <laughs> and uh a compelling story the storytelling looks really interesting on that one so i was really 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 hyped hyped up by this conference as somebody that you know studied game design was in the independent game developers association i actually really love the idea at xbox program and getting to see really young developers who are just trying out crazy ideas be supported and you know phil talked about sometimes they want their production costs covered and we're starting to see the results the early results of what that means when they've made agreements to help out smaller developers make these creations so i'm really excited Cam, how about you? What were your highlights? Yeah, so like um, looking at the like list of games that, that are coming Sorry, to Game Cam. Pass and some that I already knew about. No, no, no. You like outside of Astria Ascending, all the other ones I was going to talk about hasn't been mentioned yet. So but yeah, Astria uh, Ascending, I was like, oh, Final Fantasy uh, veterans, I'm sold. That's all you got to say. 
Uh, and then also uh, really looking forward to uh, Backbone. That is, uh, I played that back during PAX West 2019. Uh, that's uh, from a Russian team, I believe, and uh, it's basically you play as a detective raccoon, and all every like it, like all of you know humanity are animals, and uh, it's uh, it's a noir type game, and it's real. It has a, a really beautiful pixel art. It looks really really great. Uh, I was like sold on that game the moment I played it at PAX West, and then um, one of my favorite or uh, most anticipated games this year, uh, like above any game, is uh, She Dreams Elsewhere. Um, that's primarily being made by one, um, one dev, uh, Davion Gooden. And, uh, it is basically a mixture. I think, uh, I think, uh, Miranda would typically really like this game. It's like a mixture of Undertale, Persona 5, and like, uh, Earthbound. And it has really, really great music. Um, really, uh, really well written. Um, very, very great game. I'm super excited for that game. Uh, and I can't wait for that to come out as well. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, I was thrilled to see, as I mentioned, 12 minutes. I think that's probably my number one most anticipated ID at Xbox game personally. And it uh, there was an interview with the, the lead developer after they showed the trailer. He made it sound like, I mean, this is just me sussing out. He didn't mention any specifics, but basically said it's done. They're just polishing it. I'm thinking it's going to be out by the summer based on yeah. the way he phrased it. And they, they yeah. also said this coming year. soon. Yeah, he said this <laughs> year, but I I think it's going to probably be the summer just based on he was saying that I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of it's all content complete. They're just polishing it up, just, you know, doing QA. So I'm hoping, I mean, as we're sitting here at the end of March, I'm hoping it's going to make the summer months because, uh, you know that's a game that deserves some some spotlight without all the big fall games hogging all the spotlight. So, um, really eager to to see that one. The one notable omission. There were so many great games in this. I know it's hard to complain. It's such a such a like horrible gamer thing to do. Of like, here's eighty great games, but there was one, the I want to talk about the one that wasn't there. But uh, it was a bummer not to see Tunic. No tunic at yes. this, uh, yes, which is hurt. along with twelve minutes, probably my also my most anticipated uh, Xbox indie game, and we know that's a one person effort primarily. And I did get an update, like an exclusive little update for IGN right at the end of the year. We posted it in December, a new screenshot and a, a little quote from from that developer whose name sadly I'm like an idiot I didn't write down, but um, basically you know they're it's in progress. But clearly, he either you know was not ready to show new stuff or didn't want to take the time to make, to put together a trailer, and instead to chose to make that time use that time to to keep working on the game. But but yeah, so much good stuff here. Twenty two of the games that were of the what sixty something games that were at this event, twenty two of them are launching directly into Game Pass. I'll just give you the list real quick. Some of them you heard uh, the panel talk about already. Art of the Rally. Astria Ascending, Backbone, Boyfriend Dungeon, Craftopia, Dead Static Drive, Edge of Eternity, Hello Neighbor 2, which that trailer popped off on IGN. Uh, clearly a lot of interest there. Library of Ruina, Little Witch in the Woods, Moonglow Bay, Narita Boy, Nobody Saves the World, Omno, uh, uh, Recompile, Sable, which we've seen before. That looks really cool. She Dreams Elsewhere, which Cam mentioned. Stalker 2, that's a massive get right there. 
The Ascent, which uh, you know, heard Destin talk about, Undungeon, Way to the Woods, and Wild at Heart that Miranda mentioned as well. So uh, all those straight into Game Pass. That's so, if even, if you even like a quarter of those, you've got, they're all just in Game Pass. They're just there for you and the rest you can try out. So amazing stuff, uh, incredible uh, progress this year. I mean, this week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, 2021, guys, really feels like, like 2020 Game Pass was awesome and totally worth having. But I feel like the punches, like Microsoft just keeps firing off Game Pass announcements, and we're only three months into 2021. It just seems like oh yeah, they just the hits just keep coming. Yep, there's already so much. I've already heard of Genesis Noir. That's a game people yep. have started talking about. that's on Games Pass that I just downloaded recently and wanted to jump into. Uh, I feel there's always something on Game Pass to play, <laughs> which it sounds like a weird tagline, but it's <laughs> quite true. There's always a new game out, and you're like, oh, I guess. I'm going to write this on the to-do list <laughs> excitedly. There's always something new to play. Yeah, just throw the, throw the announcer voice on it and, and call it a marketing campaign. You're done. <laughs> You're done. You've got it. Uh, all right. Next up this week, 
a very interesting rumor that certainly surprised me. Uh, maybe part of it did and part of it didn't. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. This year's Call of Duty game, yes, I know, shocking, there will be a Call of Duty game released this year, is rumored to be called Call of Duty World War II Vanguard, and it will be made, apparently, by Sledgehammer. So Eurogamer has corroborated elements of a report from the Call of Duty fan site Modern War Zone, which uh, came from earlier in the week, claiming that Call of Duty 2021's working title is Call of Duty World War II Vanguard and is being developed by Sledgehammer Games. Eurogamer says that Activision plans to, quote, stick with the Vanguard subtitle for the final version, but uh, Eurogamer disagreeing with Modern War Zone's claim that the game takes place in an alternate timeline where 1945 wasn't the end of World War II. And instead, Eurogamer, through their sources, believe Vanguard has a traditional World War II setting. So uh, I, for one, am not surprised that there's going to be another Call of Duty World War II game, but I am surprised that Sledgehammer's back in the driver's seat because from the, the Jason Schreier reports over the last, what, year, year and a half, uh, that studio had seemingly lost a, a, so many people and they had they were supposed to do last year's game and it got pulled uh, and went on to, of course, was handed to, to Treyarch for a Black Ops Cold War and Raven. But yeah, I mean, guys, are you surprised that, that Sledgehammer's back here? I'll start with Cam. It's kind of, I feel like it might be a little bit uh, complicated, especially just not knowing the exact details because, you know, Treyarch was, like, next in line for their Call of Duty, and then uh, I think they had, like, uh, they had a uh, team help with the, finish out the development of uh, Black Ops Cold War, I'm pretty sure. Right, Raven did the campaign. Was, yeah. Raven, it was Raven, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so, but this time around, it's like, well, Infinity War just kind of finished their game, so there's, I don't think that they're going to, even with Ravensoft's help, like, they would be able to get a game out in time I feel like Sledgehammer would be closer in that in that scenario than than Infinity Ward. So maybe they are releasing it, and there's going to be some cutbacks. Maybe the campaign will be relatively short, like Cold War's campaign was. Um, but it, it's one of those things that I'm I'm glad. Like a lot of people didn't really like World that I talked to really didn't like World War Two, but uh, uh, you know Sledgehammer's last game, but I really liked it. I, I enjoyed the campaign um i enjoy i actually enjoyed the multiplayer it's like the first time i kind of tried out the multiplayer in a long time um and i think that it's going like I, i'm cool with more world war ii shooters because you know we don't we don't get brothers in arms anymore which i was a really yeah. big fan of and i'm not a big battlefield person so i i'm, I'm looking forward to you know i'm cool with like every three years we're getting a, a new world war ii Call of Duty. yeah and that's and now we seem to be as that's a great point we seem to now be back on the three-year cycle for Call of Duty games that was seemingly interrupted there. I mean, it was with, with Black Ops coming out, a Cold War coming out two years after Black Ops 4. But yes, that's uh, now if Sledgehammer's back in there, then it should rotate. And then 20, so it'd be 2022 next year would be Modern Warfare's turn again, uh, would be Infinity Ward's turn. Before I go to our resident Call of Duty expert and superfan Miranda Sanchez, I do want to hear from Destin on this. Yeah, what's your question specifically? Because concept-wise, I'm down with both concepts. But if you want to, you want me to talk about Sledgehammer, let me know. Well, either one. Yeah, I'm just. Are you surprised that Sledgehammer's, you know, back in the driver's seat uh, after they'd been, you know, kind of 
hold off of it last year? And and are you are you do you want to see them go back to World War II? It was, it was interesting to see her. Cam is is fully on board for more of World War II shooters. And how do you feel about it? Are you kind of tired of them? Or are you you ready for more? Yeah. So to answer your first question, I think maybe Sledgehammer got the break that they needed or they've been able to work on this and create a product that they're proud of. So I'm glad to see them back. Um, hopefully, you know, they have the appropriate staff to wrap up this Call of Duty. And as for concept, I'm absolutely down for more people attempting to do a World War II story. And if it does happen to be a concept where World War II never ended or alternate futures type thing, I'd be really, really interested in seeing how they decide to experiment with that sort of option. Call of Duty gets a lot of uh, flack from people online because it's iterative. You know, it's like the same thing every year. But um, there's a lot of fans out there that aren't just exhausted by the Call of Duty franchise. It's still one of the biggest sellers every year. So the biggest they're doing something year. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm always curious to see what a developer will do in terms of storytelling, in terms of how they change up the game design. And yeah, I'm down to see both. Honestly, like no, no real shade to either concept. Yeah, so uh, if this proves out to be true, it will be four years since Sledgehammer's last game, which was Call of Duty World War II. In that time, I mean, we had uh, Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield, the two co-founders and heads of the studio, both left and they're both doing separate things now. A lot of senior staff I know went with Condry. I'm not sure how many, uh, if, if Glenn took some folks over to his... Uh, because his studio, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's under the PUBG banner. He's doing a, I think what was announced as a, I believe it's a single player PUBG universe thing. So, uh, you know, there's still certainly yeah. talent at Sledgehammer, but they lost a lot of folks at the top. Miranda, how do you feel about about the return of World War II and and uh, the return of Sledgehammer back into the back into the mix as far as the the development roster for Call of Duty? There will always be stories to tell within World War II. I think even though we know a lot of the big stories that have come out with big perspectives, I think World War II uh, from such time were previously told like kind of like the Americans perspective, the idea, but then they also shifted perspectives really well. Um, and I think that was kind of a proofing ground to saying there's a lot to tell here and we're only diving into like little snippets from different people while focusing on one character. Um, and passing the baton, essentially. And I really liked that, and I hope we get to see them do a bit more of it. Um, I'm not sure where they are go narratively, just because there are so many options again. Um, and I kind of hope they get to tell more of those untold stories, right? Like, there's so much in history that you can dig into, and I, I think it'd be nice to see them dig into a very personal experience um, if, as they can. And I'm also, of course, down for the alternate history of what if this happened? I think you can play that game forever, and it's it's usually going to be a fun game. And by the game, I mean that what if game. Yeah, we all Miranda, know this one. We do in our heads. <laughs> Miranda, how would you feel if it was a drastic departure from the the feel of Call of Duty games? Do you think they would ever do that? No. And yeah, no. Okay. Well, what if they did? <laughs> how would you feel? Would it would it just be a no for you? Uh, it wouldn't be a no. I think it depends. There are things that I go to Call of Duty for that I know I will get every single time. And I think that's what people look for when they go to Call of Duty. Um, each of the studios has their own flavor of that, whether it comes down to like the time to kill, uh, just like I think the simplicity, 
not necessarily, I don't want to say it's a simple system for their gunplay, but it's very straightforward and it's easy to understand. And I think they've always strived to have that, that very readable, very understandable jump in. You can be a one-man army. You don't have to work with your teammates. You probably should, but you really <laughs> don't have to. And that's something I've always enjoyed about Call of Duty. Uh, and I think with Sledgehammer in particular, what I liked about World War II when I think back on it, uh, I liked how they were trying different things. So in that one, we got headquarters, which was their social space. And you just kind of got to run around and like call in your your loot box essentially and just see what other people got and like, oh, what did you get? That's kind of cool. Uh, there's like a theater space. There's a place where you could go play retro games. There's a 1v1 area, which is just, just the best. That was just hilarious to me. Uh, and it would change over time. So I kind of liked having that space, even though it's not meant to be a huge social game. It's just kind of a fun place to go hang out in if you just need to cool down from a, a few tense matches or something like that. Uh, I also really liked War, which was a special mode that they had in there. But one of the things that really stood out to me in World War II's from, from the past was the zombies, because it felt a lot more horror than I think most zombies we get. Sometimes it feels very arcadey or just goofy. And there's there's an appreciation for that, but I actually really loved how freaked out I got by it. Um, and so I'm kind of curious to see if they will take that sort of gritty approach to their World War II story continuing forward. And I do hope that they keep with that. Um, one note on staffing for Sledgehammer, which is kind of a problem for me, but also an exciting problem, is when you have friends who go on to go do really cool things in the industry, you're like, yay, but also like, dang it. <laughs> um, so speaking of staffing, Ryan, you're saying like, oh yeah, like a lot of people left. I've definitely noticed a lot of people getting hired at Sledgehammer. Uh, one of those who just announced hers, this is big, exciting, uh, Alexa Ray Correa. So she used to work at GameSpot, a very good friend of mine, and now she's a narrative designer at Sledgehammer. So guess who will not be reviewing that? <laughs> but I'm very excited to see what they do with this, um, new direction and a lot of new talent. I think even though whenever we see big departures from studios, it is a bit scary. Uh, but at the same time, it's exciting because it's this studio's chance to do a new first impression, right, with the new team that they have. And you get to see their vision going forward. Uh, and we can only hope the best at that point. Yeah, that's uh, go figure. So this is twice in one episode where Miranda Sanchez has expressed enthusiasm over the horror element of a game is this a new miranda i have been playing a lot of horror games recently with a friend uh she's very brave and I, and i was like oh i guess i'll play with you so i've been kind of more interested in horror things lately i guess you could say excellent well yeah for me i mean i i liked call of duty world war ii uh, and and let me clarify i only play the campaigns i'm totally out of the multiplayer for call of duty it's, you know, I, I'm retired. My, my Call of Duty multiplayer career is over. I've retired. <laughs> but um, so I'm, I'm only coming at this in, in talking about the campaign. I thought it was good, but I, I feel like it missed a chance near the end of the game to really make a statement or, and, or educate the player, do, do a better job of educating. Like, I, I mean, I... All right, it's spoiler, whatever. It's been four years. <laughs> you, you basically walk through an empty concentration camp at the end of the game. And to me, that, like, I get where they were trying to go with it emotionally. I don't think they did a great job of, of getting there. Yeah, I thought that they could have, that, that 
mission could have been could have it could have gone farther not in terms of like showing any atrocities or anything like that i'm not saying that but just as far as trying to educate players and about like you know really what happened and what and why this is why we should never forget this but instead yeah. it was just sort of this like zero combat walk through this empty space so but but overall the campaign was good i for me i still think call of duty 2 is the best of the World War II Call of Duties. I don't think agree. Uh, that's that's been my favorite over the years. But yeah, I guess I I'm I don't know where I'd want them to go. But I I'm not inherently excited for another World War II game. I guess unlike I'm I'm differing from you guys on that. But um, I, I guess I wouldn't. Sorry, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily thrilled we're getting another World War II game. I'm just. It's inevitable. We will go back to World War II time and time again. So I'm just more curious of what they're going to do that puts this apart from everything else that's already been done. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'll be... They've had an extra year, even though they've they've clearly battled a lot of staff turnover in that time. I mean, it's not the first time that Call of Duty has, has weathered a, a significant staffing change. Uh, of course, when... Vince and Jason and and half the inf original Infinity Ward team left during Modern Warfare Three and went and, and formed Respawn. Uh, that was ironically Sledgehammer was the one that came in and they stopped development on the third person action adventure Call of Duty game that they were developing to help to finish uh, Modern Warfare Three on time. And now that's the you know it's come full circle. Somebody had you know. Treyarch <laughs> had to come in and pick up for them, and now they're they're back in the fold. So yeah, we'll Third see what happens Call of Duty, here. It's time. Come on, Sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll so we'll see how we'll see how things unfold here this year for Call of Duty. Yeah, Other thanks. than it's death, taxes, and a new Call of Duty game every fall. So you can definitely count on it coming. What no matter who's making it, somebody's making it, and it's happening. All right, next topic this week: Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I actually have to glance over at my notes here because this was right before the story broke right before we recorded. So we have, we're, at, we're at the point now, uh, CD Projekt has acquired a new uh, a Canadian studio to be basically CD Projekt Red Vancouver. But they are also, uh, they're preparing to shift gears for future AAA projects and work on games in both The Witcher and cyberpunk franchises simultaneously beginning next year. During a strategy update presentation for their, presumably for their shareholders, CD Projekt outlined how it's going to achieve its goals to develop two AAA games in two different franchises simultaneously, saying it intends to staff up over the next year and have development teams working on both projects at once, including leads. It's also planning to adjust the capabilities of its internal game engine to allow features like NPC routines and player character control to be adapted in multiple games at once. Now, the next part of this, there's a quote, there's a quote, hang on. The, the thing I wanted to get to was, uh, where's this multiplayer bit? See, this is what I get for things breaking late. Control it F, was, right? Hold on. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, this... The, the studio president, Adam Kaczynski, said the studio was adjusting its strategy around online experiences in its games, saying it was focusing on bringing online into all its franchises 
one day and working on an online tech, blah, blah, blah. However, here we go. Previously, we hinted that our next AAA would be a multiplayer cyberpunk game, but we have decided to reconsider this plan given our new, more systemic and agile approach instead of primarily focusing on the big online experience or game uh, we are focusing on bringing online into all of our franchises one day. So, uh, is, I mean, clearly they had Grand Theft Auto Online kind of aspirations, right? We knew that they were developing this big multiplayer suite that I'm sure they had intended to live on for years and years and make the money in the same way that Rockstar does with GTA Online. Sounds like that might not be the case anymore, Destin. Yeah, it seems like some major kerfluffle happened when they launched a new IP or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they have just been through the ringer for the last year, uh, somewhat deservedly so for the, the marketing of the previous gen consoles. Glad to see that they're adjusting that. I don't think it should have taken fans being outraged, basically, to make that call. I think they should have just been more transparent from the get-go, and it could have avoided a lot of these troubles. Um, but yeah, looking forward, maybe we don't get a cyberpunk multiplayer world that we hoped. I'm curious how they're going to be bringing it to all of their properties. That's interesting. I don't really know what to think about this. Um, yeah, uh, it's good that they've expanded. It sounds like they needed the support based on what we've heard about what's going on behind the scenes. So I hope this works out for the best in the end. Cam, have you, uh, are, were you looking forward to a, a multiplayer cyberpunk? Is that a thing you even wanted? Or would you rather them just, you know, kind of set that aside and move on to more single player stuff in both universes? I mean, leading up to cyberpunk, I was excited for it when it eventually came. But like, now that I'm just waiting for the next gen patch to come out to actually play cyberpunk, I, it's kind of up in the air, you know, um, I think Cyberpunk, uh, or some, not Cyberpunk, CD Projekt Red makes uh, great single-player games, and I think that they should stick with that, but if they have, like, you know, with picking up this new this new team, like, if they can somehow double-dip and manage both without tarnishing another, then, uh, you know, by all means, go for it. But I think that, at the end of the day, they should focus on what they do best. Yeah, on popular opinion, I actually really love the storytelling in Cyberpunk. I think there's some really, really great narrative design in the game. And Cam, to to just point out to you, maybe um, the 1.2 patch was sort of part of this story. The 1.2 patch came out yesterday. Yeah. And console users are reporting a better performance. Uh, we have a project in the works right now where we're going to take a deeper look at that. But yeah, it sounds like consoles are running better. Yeah, Destin, they had previously announced that there would be a major patch in, I think, February and March. Is this the first of those, or did we? Was there another one? Was there one this in is, February? This is their first so mega the first patch, okay. and it was because of the the hack that happened, right. where they were just massively compromised, and they had to sort of reset and reevaluate. And they right. like nobody deserved that. Like regardless of what happened, that should no. should not have happened, and uh, it's really really unfortunate. And uh, I'm glad that it's out and that we got our first mega patch and we'll get another one soon but everything has shifted now all the dlcs have shifted everything shifted miranda where are you with this and and the sort of the future of cyberpunk and what they uh, and what cd projects should should be learning and applying to uh to their future projects i think for me when it comes to cd product red i 
Just take it one step at a time. I was fortunate to not experience any major bugs whenever I played Cyberpunk on PC. Uh, I had a great time with it. I love being in Night City. Honestly, just watching the video that we're watching now, if you're watching the video version, uh, it just makes me sort of miss Night City a bit. And I kind of want to jump back into it, but kind of like Cam, I've been waiting for the next-gen patch so I can go play on my nice 4K OLED TV that I bought for this. And that I was, not just for this, <laughs> but, you know, I was like, oh, so excited for it. And just sort of waiting. And I think it's good that they're starting to talk a little bit more about the future of CG Project Red as a whole, uh, just because obviously the whole launch of Cyberpunk cast a lot of doubt on what they could do. I mean, yes, Witcher 3 was fantastic. Yes, Cyberpunk was great for some people, for some players, but that's not what you want to see from a studio that you were betting so much on. And it's very much comes down to leadership, not giving their team the time they needed to make and finish the game that they really wanted to make. Um, and it is such a shame. So them having that transparency and saying, hey, we're refocusing on how we develop games. We're just doing all these big changes. And, you know, online was definitely the stretch goal for Cyberpunk. It's one day, you know, sometime. I think that is the right call to make because right now I'm just waiting for those, the console patches. I want my next gen update and I'm just waiting for the DLC. And so I think taking it one step at a time with this company, especially given, you know, the history at this point is really the best we can do for them but I, it is good again that they are being some like at least somewhat transparent and saying this is how we're retooling and how we're going to keep focusing going forward yeah i mean it's it's clear it is you, you bring up a good point that cd project has they were a studio that had as far as the bigger studios in the industry they probably had one of the largest reservoirs of community goodwill from from the Witcher 3 and all the free DLCs they did for that and the couple of excellent deep expansion packs that they did for that. They had an incredible reserve of goodwill and they burned it all and then some uh, with, with CD Projekt, with Cyberpunk 2077. And so, you know, clearly, I mean, there's... I, I know they've put out announcements saying that it still sold, you know, a few million copies or whatever in the beginning. and but the fact is, uh, there was another report today. The it's been a hundred days that that the game has not been available for sale on the PlayStation Store, which is the number one. You know, hey, we're here on an Xbox podcast, but PlayStation's still the king. So that's just a lot of people that you Jeez. cannot sell to in on a digital storefront. So I don't think there's any. I think it's very reasonable to say, even without me having access to their their note their their books that they have not made nearly as much money as they anticipated they would so far on cyberpunk 2077 and as such i'm sure that's probably a big factor in their change of plans here where where rather than keep all their eggs in the cyberpunk basket and say all right well now we're going to do a you know long tail gta online like triple a multiplayer experience for the for this severely uh public pr damaged thing uh that is cyberpunk for now that they went uh maybe we should maybe we should uh fast track witcher again and get back into that game as soon as we possibly can so i think that that clearly must factor in as well 
Yeah, I think we just posted something on Twitter. Like it's been a month or longer that it's been off the store. That's 114 million PS4s that aren't that just yeah. don't have ability to access it digitally. And and as of February, we know there's 4.5 million PS5s in the wild. So you're talking about 118.5 million devices that can't buy your game. Well, that's digitally, be right? They can still go to the store if they want it, yes. but yeah, it's not there with COVID, like conveniently in their house. Yeah, with COVID, very the number of people going to physical stores to buy media has to be declined drastically. So it has to be a devastating blow for for them financially. But yeah, I think Miranda, you hit it you hit it on the nail on the head too. It's, I mean, it's one step at a time, and and that's they they need to think that way, not just like us perceiving them. But it's important, I think, for them to just take things one step at a time and and sort of show that they you know to try and get some of that goodwill back. I mean, we've seen what that company can be, both in terms of a game developer and a um, a community-friendly developer that does put out great extra content. So, you know, they'll, they have it in them to get back to that, but it's going to be a long road for them. It's, uh, I mean, that, the Cyberpunk launch was, I mean, it was basically their Xbox One unveiling moment, right? Where it just, they dug a massive hole yeah. that will take them a long, long time to dig out of. But like Xbox, like, they can do it. They can do mm -hmm. it. So, and here's hoping they will. Not super great news for this next story, but it's uh, it, it'll end well, hopefully. Turtle Rock has announced that Back for Blood has been delayed. It was it was penciled in for June 22nd. It was going to be a summer game this year. They have moved it out a handful of months to October 12th to 2021. Still this year, there will still be an open beta this summer, though. Uh, they posted up saying, quote, Turtle Rock Studios is working hard to make Back for Blood the best game it can possibly be at launch, and the team needs more time to do this. Therefore, we will release Back for Blood on October 12th. We thank our community for its continued support and are excited to share that there will be an open beta this summer. Um, we say this every single time. It's fine. They're, they're, we just listed, like, 6,000 ID at Xbox games that looked really interesting. So there'll be plenty of stuff to play. Um, but yeah, n nobody here is upset about this delay, correct? Of course not. No. No, yeah. I think it's a, think it's a smart one too, because they're releasing it nearby Halloween time. So people are going to want to get games like that. Uh, again, I played the alpha back in January, late December or something like that. Yeah. And that was probably like the best shape I've seen a game in during an alpha phase uh ever so i am i am gonna speak very highly of this game like leading up to launch like i'm incredibly excited if you like left for dead well this is this is for for you baby like it's gonna be really really good cam did you uh did were you able to make it all the way to the end of the mission what in, in any of the times you played no i didn't because yeah that last it's section tough. uh is rough but like it is very hard but man it like <laughs> It's great, and it really is like Left 4 Dead 3 to me. Like, yes, they make some uh, mechanical changes with the card system, which I think is really, really cool, and the copper where you buy your you buy your upgrades and things like that. But, like, the shooting is definitely a huge step up from Left 4 Dead 2. Um, the variety of weapons is great. Uh, and I think, like, as the game goes along, they're going to add more, like, basically characters. Like, they don't do anything specifically, 
but it's just you get that uh diversity and representation there which is really really great <laughs> i'm i'm uh i'm super excited I, I i really can't wait for back to blood it's definitely one of my uh most anticipated games whose Destiny? gameplay is this oh go ahead is this ours <laughs> what is this our gameplay? Because they keep shooting their teammates. And oh, is that why you were laughing? Like, oh, in front of me. Yeah. But but anyway, this game looks awesome. Like look at the big pile of dead zombies, right? Like I'm gonna blame. Really, I think really this cool. might have been. I'm gonna throw him under the bus. I think this might have been John Ryan because he did the original. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. Jr., uh, come on. But anyway, guys, it looks awesome. This is and like, not it's watching. Uh, I highly yeah. recommend you you give this this segment a little bit of a watch. It's it's a fun thing to watch if you haven't seen the game yet. Uh, I also like how it calls out who triggered the alarm. It's like, hey, yeah. is this person's fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with all of you. I, I also played the alpha. I also could not totally finish it. Got just right up to that last section on the boat and <laughs> got overwhelmed. But man, is it fun. And I agree completely, Cam. It is Left 4 Dead 3. I mean, it's it's not even trying to hide that with the title and the, the structure. I mean, it it really, really is that. And it's... And it it shows me that the Left 4 Dead formula from uh, ten years ago. Wait, Left 4 Dead two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. There's still was, there still has wow. to be a was huge community one, right? behind Left 4 Dead. Two thousand. Geez. So gosh, twelve going on thirteen years. It's the formula still works. It's still fun. It's still a super We're all fun just game. Like, when did Left 4 Dead come out? Uh, no, I think you're right. And and Left 4 Dead two was very unvalve like. It was one year later. Like they turned it the second one around a year later. Yeah, twenty nine thousand three hundred and ten people are playing Left 4 Dead two today. Still, wow! Yeah. That see that's and that tells you there. So there is still an that's audience. That's more for than this. Avengers. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, Justin! By, by, wow, it's like a hundred times more or something. Avengers hey, is two thousand. Is there a dead horse in your living room that you're beating right <laughs> now? Like, jeez, man. Oh, poor Avengers. But oh, um, dear. yeah, this looks great. Totally don't mind it being kicked out to October. Cam, I hadn't even thought about the Halloween angle. That's, uh, yeah, that should serve them well. Now, the other group that's probably happy about this delay, even if not, it's not necessarily like a direct impact thing, but, you know, we just got done with our IGN first month on Aliens Fireteam, which is three player. It's third person. You know, it's not a complete like one-to-one -one thing, but they are, they are uh, sort of on the same branch of the of the shooter tree i would say uh and yeah aliens fire team they're due out in the summer though they haven't yet given a date so if they're able to get out in the summer then that you know they'll kind of have that first mover advantage and maybe get out there uh before back for blood comes in and and perhaps we're to get some of that audience because uh, you know these kind of games you tend to if if people really get into back for blood they might not they might go oh aliens okay eh, i'm gonna keep playing back for blood i mean it never hurts to be the first one out when you're in a similar similar genre, similar kind of game, but we'll see what happens with both of those. But not, uh, not gonna lie, this is making me so bad want to download Left 4 Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's doing its job, right? I think yeah. it's mission accomplished if that's exactly the way it's making you feel right now. It's uh, it's making me wish that this alpha were still running because Yeah. 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 I can't wait for the beta. It's really good. Yeah. When the beta comes out, I'm probably like gonna drop everything and just play this as much as I can, just to just to get my like you know uh, my fill in for, until October. All right, we've got plenty of time left in the show here. There's plenty more. There are plenty more topics. I want to go next to this uh, more good Xbox news. 
You will no longer need Xbox Live Gold to access party chat looking for groups and free-to-play multiplayer features on Xbox. Uh, this news was revealed by the a developer from the Xbox preview program named Brad Rossetti, who posted, multiplayer in free-to-play games, looking for groups, and party chat on Xbox no longer requires an Xbox Live Gold membership. Uh, and they it's, it's rolled out now. If you're wondering, well, okay, well, how do I get this right now? The changes are being debuted to insiders uh, in the alpha skip ahead and alpha programs at the moment. So it's in the insider ring. It's going to make its way out to everybody. But this I wanted to mention because this is Microsoft keeping a promise here. Uh, it sort of a was a good thing that came out of a bad thing, if you remember. The the whole uh, the 24-hour debacle that was the doubling of Xbox Live Gold's price that was walked back within 20, not even, it was within like nine hours. It was within the same business day. Uh, and in that, they had said, oh, by the way, we'll uh, we'll get rid of the whole you know, gold requirement for for free-to-play multiplayer games. So, uh, but they they didn't put a date on it. They just said, uh, we're going to do that. Well, now they've done it and and in the not-too-distant future. So I'm really happy to see that. Cam? It's about bleeping time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, party chat, like all, these type of features should, should have been free, like for, honestly, from the get-go, like in hindsight, you know, hindsight's 2020, but uh it, it it's good like it, it's just it's good it's uh it gives there's there's nothing to say outside of it's good like i'm glad it's happening uh it's been w way too long for this to happen and i'm uh glad that everyone like it'll it'll you know people still have to get xbox live gold obviously to play online uh unless it's a free-to-play game but it is just something that you know isn't you don't have to worry about it if you're low on funds and you can't play online. You're like only playing your free to play games, and even for free to play people, like uh, if you only play like Fortnite, like I know people that like have uh, consoles and basically only play free to play games, and uh, this is great for them. Like they don't have to buy Xbox Live Gold to play the games online, and they can still chat with their friends without being in like game chat. It's it's great. Yeah, Miranda is probably good news for what the the Call of Duty War Zones of the world, Fortnites. Trying to think of who are the other sort of Destiny big free to play too. ones. Yep, I mean it just makes sense at this point. It's silly that if I can hop on a computer and download a game and play for free and not have to pay for some online thing because the game is supposed to be free, uh, that you can't do the same on your Xbox. So about time. All right, hey. the BAFTA hey. Awards. Oh, did right. you want to weigh in, Destiny? <laughs> want to get in on yeah. this? Apex, Warzone, Fortnite, Destiny thank 2, you. Killer yes. Instinct, Rocket oh, League, like thank Rainbow you. Six. You can't, you can't quite get access right now because this is only in the Alpha Skip Ahead Insider Program. So right. get in the Insider Program, you just install the app, and then you got to sign up for the Alpha yeah. Skip Ahead to get into it early. But I have to imagine this is them looking at their services that are locked behind Xbox Live Gold, listening to the community and saying, that's a mistake. We're going to fix it right now. And they're doing it as quickly as they can. And they probably gave Brad Rossetti permission, permission to post this, obviously, you know, because they want to say, hey, yeah, we're working on it. And I, I really love this sort of transparency about reversing stuff that is just odd, right? Like it doesn't really make sense. Why can't I use Party Chat without Xbox Live? It's strange. It's a service that just should be a part 
of a gaming console in 2021. You know? And so it shall be done. So good stuff from Microsoft on this. The BAFTA Awards, British Gaming Awards that are uh, generally sort of the more serious awards that, that are uh, handed out amongst, uh, amongst the game industry every year. They have been announced uh, as follows. I can run down the quick list and see if anybody wants to comment on any of these. Best game went to Hades, matching IGN. Uh, we also named Hades our game of the year. Best British game, because it is the British Gaming Awards, went to Sackboy. Animation went to Last of Us Part Two. Artistic Achievement, Hades once again. Audio Achievement, Ghost of Tsushima. Best Debut Game, Carrion, uh, which is super. I still need to play that. That's a that's one of those Devolver delicacies that that's, that fits right in. We talked about Annapurna last week being kind of having that that uh, eye for curation. Devolver, I think Miranda, you had mentioned it last week, is really good at it too. And Carrion uh, is one of those games where you're just a a raging like tentacled monster that's moving through a, a sort of a, is it fair to call it a platforming space or more of like a side-scrolling action space where you're just, you're just like menacing the people you encounter. Yeah. I think you're, you're like a monster that's escaping from a lab. That's it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I got to play that one. So uh, I think best... that has more of a platforming <laughs> feel to it. Sorry. No, no worries. Best evolving game. Sea of Thieves. Best family Ooh. game against Sackboy. Uh, game Beyond Entertainment goes to Animal Crossing New Horizons. Best Game Design, Hades Once More. Best Multiplayer, Animal Crossing. Best yeah. Music, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Definitely don't argue with that one. Narrative, Hades. Again, clean it up here. Best Original Property, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition. Eh, it's, hasn't Kentucky Route Zero actually been out in parts for years, but all right, yeah. it's the <laughs> final release. <laughs> Uh, best performer in a leading role, Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part Two. Best performer in a supporting role, Logan Cunningham as Hades, Achilles, Poseidon, <laughs> Asterius, uh, Sharon, and the storyteller in Hades, wearing many, many hats there. And the effectively the the public uh, EE game of the year, the public vote went to The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Miranda, what yes. uh, what jumps out at you from this list, or or any any big? Any big head scratching omissions or snubs? I'm gonna play Hades. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Every word system, they of course have their own criteria. It's cool to see uh, Carry On get a shout out. I actually haven't played that, but I did uh, manage our guy writer who worked on that, so I kind of have an inkling of what it is. It looks pretty cool. So nice to see that get a shout out. Uh, I was surprised multiplayer game went to Animal Crossing, although I. I'm not mad about it. I love Animal <laughs> Crossing. I mean, I still love Animal Crossing. I'm looking at my Switch right now. I was playing it yesterday. Uh, so I, th I think it's cool to have that as a nice one, especially with the pandemic. I think a lot of us gathered through Animal Crossing, and it was just a nice space to hold actual birthday parties and stuff when you couldn't do that, you know, normally. Yeah. You can't do that in uh, Halo. I mean, you could, <laughs> but... No, you can't, well, you can't there is nuts. the grunt birthday party skull you could turn on. That is true, and it just go around be shooting on. grunts. It's always on. <laughs> and then every always party. Uh, uh, but go ahead, please. That's it for me. Oh, that was it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Destin, how about you? Yeah, nothing, nothing weird or nothing jumps out at me here. But if there was a technical achievement, I have to give the nod to a PlayStation game. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales did so much cool stuff 
with the technology this last year, especially as a, a launch game that's launching on old hardware and new hardware at the same time. They just updated it today where the musculature actually affects the suit of your system. And they just keep doing cool stuff with that engine. I am blown away by what Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales has been able to accomplish technically. And um, yeah. That's yeah, my I, uh, I played with ray tracing on for that game, and it was it was beautiful on PS5. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, Cam, how about you? Any any snubs? Any uh, any of these that you're happy to pump your fist and celebrate? Uh, yeah. No Final Fantasy VII remake. Love that makes me sad. Um, but that was that was kind of a I won't say it was a trending theme throughout the award season, but there's specifically like. I, I I really wanted to see John Eric Bentley, who does the voice for Barrett, to get some love because I definitely think he was like the shining the shining star of that game. And there's one specific scene that like gets me emotional every time I I, I watch it. Um, uh, so shout out to him. Uh, also, I, like, audio achievement for Ghost of Tsushima. Like I, I play Ghost of Tsushima, and I think the audio is great. But like I don't know, I think like The Last of Us Part Two was, which I notoriously am not a big fan of the first Last of Us, but I really enjoyed The Last of Us Part Two. Interesting. And I think that um, the, the, like from a technical standpoint, it was just phenomenal. Uh, so that so that was that's kind of like a okay, that's interesting. Um, music, <laughs> Miles Morales is great, but like Ori and the Will of the Wisps was like, come on, yeah. And, o- and Ori uh, being shut out less, here like, is is yeah. tough to stomach. And a lesser played game, but I think it had a really, really great soundtrack was uh, Spiritfarer last year. Uh, I love the music in Spiritfarer. Um, so th- those were those were like kind of like the ones that, for me personally, that I I was just like, hmm, I would probably would have gone another way. But the most of the rest uh, seem seem about right to me. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Ori and the Will of the Wisps because that to me that's. No, no disrespect to Hades, but that should have been the artistic achievement winner. I mean that that game yeah. is I, I <laughs> even if you compare it to the first one from five years ago, it's like it looks dramatically better, and it's just a the way the subtle like everything kind of rustles in the wind and the, the colors and the animation. I mean, it's the, the the that that's the artistic achievement pick for me. I was happy to see Sea of Thieves get recognized as evolving game because. You know, all these games as a service and these sort of living games, they all continue to add content and, and improve the best they can. And, and many of them have come a long way since their launches, but really great to see Sea of Thieves get that recognition on a on a big level, big stage like this. I am shocked that the BAFTAs completely shut out Half-Life Alex, though. That I know this is it's a PC game and this is an Xbox show, but Holy cow! How did Half Life Alex get shut out? But I feel, sorry, it, Ryan. I, I, I feel <laughs> no like love, a, no V. Even the BAFTA voters don't play don't play VR games. I feel like it's right. kind of a oh, sorry. No, go ahead, please. I just feel like it's a similar situation to Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I think was in like my top five last year. Like I definitely, like, it, it was one of those games that if anyone in the award season said like this is game of the year, I'd have been like, I'm okay with that. Like I get that. Um, but I just feel like, cause it was, I mean, it was on PC as well. I just feel like it didn't get the uh, level of uh, conversation that games like Hades and, and other games uh, throughout the year got when it definitely should have. So like, if you haven't played Ori and the Will of the Wisps, like I, again, like I wasn't the biggest fan of the first game from a mechanical standpoint, but like Will of the Wisps like, is like amazing. Like one of the, one of the best platformer, like Metroidvania like games I've ever played. It is fun. 
Yeah. And it, it makes, you mentioned it, it makes a lot of mechanical upgrades from the first 100%. one as well. Uh, okay, quickly, because we've got to move on here to the loot box and the trivia, but real fast, the Xbox Games with Gold for April. Uh, let's mention this because everybody's always curious. Is it going to be a good month? Is it going to be a bad month? Uh, yeah. Vikings, <laughs> Wolves of Midgard, and Dark Void, April Dark 1st. Dark Void was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, truck Racing Championship and Hardcore uprising core hardcore meaning c-o-r-p-s as in core of soldiers hardcore uprising april 16th destin uh these like are these are it did some cool stuff <laughs> it's a rough. old game like it doesn't hold up very well but it did it had some cool concepts with like world navigation and and things like that because you would you would uh ascend vertically and i believe you had like a jetpack and stuff like that in the game but i remember there was there was something there but uh yeah I mean, can't all be can't all be super winners right ryan yeah i mean it's hard i know it's lame to complain about free but at the same point like when do you just kind of shut this down and go and invest those resources elsewhere no, no 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 don't shut it down but you know what i would love to see with games with gold Sony just did this. They have like yeah. 18 awesome titles that are just available if you have PlayStation Plus, Xbox. Do that for Xbox uh, Gold subscribers. Just give them a small library of fantastic titles on the Xbox ecosystem that they can play. I realize that Game Pass is like the thing that's being marketed right now. But I mean, yeah. even if it was just like five mega hits, I think, it, I think that would be really, really cool to see. I, like yeah. that I agree. Having even the overlap, that's fine because I think the subscribers that just go for Games of Gold versus um, Game Pass, those those people exist, and I'm sure they would appreciate it. Yeah. No, that's a yeah. good thought. I mean, you could put Master Chief Collection on there to try and get everybody pumped up for for uh, Infinite at the end of the year. Even though, yes, yeah, yes, it's on Game Pass, mm -hmm. but here you can just own it if you have a if you have a gold sub. That's I like that idea. Yeah, like Gears One, re the Gears One remake, you know, one of the Halo Remaster, games, yeah. and then like, hey, you can play them all on Game Pass. Like, it, it works in terms of marketing. There's, I'm sure we could come up with five games quite easily that would show the Xbox ecosystem quite well. And I know Gold fans would absolutely love that. Make yeah, you could grab a couple of Bethesda games at this point, like Prey, mm -hmm. which was criminally underrated, and uh, you know, Fallout seventy six to see if you know give let people give it another chance, that kind of thing. My All right, <laughs> loot box time. Questions coming in via Twitter now. I want to thank uh, the handful of people that have already started sending me those. Again, just tweet a video of yourself asking a question, an Xbox question to the panel. Uh, tag me in it. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on Twitter so that I see it, and then I'll add it to my list. And you can be featured just like Johnny Vinyl coming at you right now. Hey, Unlockers. Uh, I got a question for you. Are there any dormant Xbox IPs that you could see fitting uh, with a, a Bethesda studio? Now that they have, well, all those Bethesda studios. Um, I could definitely and would like to see Arcane do an immersive sim like they're famous for in the universe of Shadowrun. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Also, some studio, any studio, I don't care who.
bring this back, please. Well, that uh, I Shadowrun from Arcane is such a good choice. That would be phenomenal. That would be. I mean, Shadowrun originally based off of a, a board game IP, pen or, or excuse me, pen and paper IP um, role playing. That would be. That could be really, really good. Let me go around the table here. You start with Cam. Uh, any? Oh. Would you like to see any kind of the the dormant Xbox IPs? One of the Bethesda studios take a crack at it. I'm looking at a list of dormant Xbox IPs. I'm just like thinking about all yeah. the one, uh, you know, because it's uh, been a while since these games have come, uh, like first and, came out. Too. Yeah, and there's and there's a pretty long list of of cool IPs that Xbox is sitting on. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like for Bethesda specifically, I really. I really can't think of one. Sorry, it's not specifically mm -hmm. Bethesda, but I want a Lost Odyssey too. Bring back mm. Lost Odyssey. Like it's like your one, yeah, like JRPG IP that you have. Like bring that it people back. adore. Bring yeah. it back. Yeah, it, it reviewed well. Like it, it just, you know, it reviewed well. People just didn't buy it. It seems like, but bring it back. Bring it back. All right, I like that, uh, Miranda. I have a, I'm not sorry for this. <laughs> I would have Bethesda, Bethesda Softworks, one of their sub teams or something, work on Fusion Frenzy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be good. <laughs> Get out. Hey, <laughs> just own it. It's fine. Yeah. Think of, um, what was it called? The mobile game, the Fallout Vault. Shelter? <gasps> Shelter, Shelter. Fall Shelter. Yes. That was so fun and had its like little quirks to it. I feel like they have what it takes to build a cool party game. <laughs> so I don't know, guys. I really just wanted to come back. Okay, <laughs> it's so good. I like you are going to really will good. this into existence someday, somehow by just, just you just keep putting happen. you keep putting the energy out into the world, and it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> again, just like as a small sub project, and, and especially because we're limited to the Zenimax Studios or the Bethesda Game Studios, I think it's hard to find a dormant IP that's not already been taken, and then to pair it with one of these guys, it's like, oh gosh. <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's just flex in here and try something really creative. <laughs> this this is your Snyder cut. You're gonna you're just gonna campaign and get a new Fusion Frenzy game made Listen. some way somehow. Fusion Frenzy has like a gritty sort of dark future aesthetic to it. It could work. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Destin, how about you? Okay, I'm really just going to use this as an opportunity to talk about games that I want to see come back. And one that's on Game Pass, it's been on Gold, Rise Son of, Son of Rome. Why that, yeah, that IP just got cool. abandoned, but you go back yeah. and you play that thing, you're like, this still looks really, really good. So I would love to see that IP come back. It's just gone, which is strange to me. Yes, it was repetitive, but wow, it had a pretty good combo system. And, Great story, uh, yeah. too. Yeah, and the other one, I think Arcane could tackle this one, and this is my forever answer for what series to bring back. Just remake this. Resident Evil 2 style, Legacy of Kane. I don't know if you can see it. I had the physical media <laughs> a second ago. Soul Reaver. Make Soul Reaver, anybody, please. They just pull it off Steam. Any developer out Not there, a Microsoft game, but that's fine. Someone turn this into a GIF when you watch this. <laughs> who owns it? Just, I don't even know who owns that IP anymore. I think, like, Crystal Dynamics. Well, it, should, it even... should be Square, I would presume, has it. Yeah, because they own yeah. 
Yeah, you, they own Crystal Dynamics, who so and Silicon Knights is gone. They were in oh. like Waterloo, Ontario, or something. Oh yeah, long gone. But um, yeah, I like that. All right, well, I'll I'll bring it back on topic because we got to get to the trivia and then get out of here. But um, machine games, proven rebooters of things, and the, the very talented rebooters. I would like to see them give me a story-driven Mech Warrior reboot because if you go back, Mech Warrior Two is sort of the the goat Mech Warrior that really blended like simulation action, but with cool story as well. They could they could crush Mech Warrior. It would be they would do a phenomenal job of that. I would love to see it someday. Maybe when they're done with Indiana Jones. So, uh, Johnny Vinyl, thank you so much. And again, tweet me your questions mm -hmm. at DMC underscore Ryan in video form. I'm only accepting video submissions for the time being. All right, Unlock Block Trivia Time. Dan Morris writes in and asks this, which now-acquired Xbox studio was developing an exclusive new IP for the Xbox One prior to its launch, but never saw the light of day? So a canceled Xbox exclusive for Xbox One never came out, was being done by one of these four studios. Was it Obsidian? Was it Ninja Theory? Was it In Exile or was it Double Fine? Let me go Destin's way first for this. I'm 99% sure I know the answer. So. All right, so I'll come back to you then. Yeah. Uh, let me go Cam. Okay. I, I honestly don't know, and I'm just going to stick with my gut on this one and just take an educated guess. I'm going to say C in Exile. Okay. In Exile, Miranda, any, any confidence here? No. Not this time. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about, it's like, what was I doing around the time the Xbox launch? I was like, well, I was still in college, so I was trying to finish up school as fast as I could. Uh, I'm just going to guess Ninja Theory. Okay. Uh, Destin seemed confident. What do you say, my friend? Yeah, so this B-roll, every time I need to look for it, is a nightmare to find, but I'm pretty sure it's CN Exile. Let's go. Please be right. Well, none of you are not. Right. No, he's no. right. It was Obsidian. Obsidian had a game, uh, an exclusive game. It got canceled. It was covered in my unfiltered interview with Josh Sawyer, one of the, the creative leads there. Yeah, they had a game uh, that did not happen for Microsoft. So, of course, that called? all worked out in the end. They got acquired by Microsoft years later. So, Dan Morris. Excellent job of stumping the panel. If anybody else out there has a good Xbox trivia question, send it my way. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Don't forget the question, the answer, and but include four multiple choice answers in there as well. And that will do it for us this week. Find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If again, uh, if you're looking to tag me and get that loot box question in, or you just want to say hi. How about, uh, I'll save Cam for last year. Destin? Yeah, keep an eye on IGN. I'm working on a project I'm very excited about, and I'm hoping it turns out quite well. A lot of production related to that this week. So you check me out there, Twitter, Destin Legary, and uh, yeah. Sounds good. Miranda? Hello. If you didn't catch it last week, I reviewed Dota Dragon's Blood, and I was so excited because it's my first review in over a year because I just haven't had time. Uh, so aside from that, I've been working on some Animal Crossing things, and honestly, I'm just looking forward to planning out our ID at Xbox guide coverage coming up here soon. So I'll definitely be deep diving into that. But otherwise, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, Twitch, and everywhere else at Havoc Ruse. That's Havoc with a K. As always. Excellent. 
Uh, Cam, we've had a great 10-week run with you. You've had a heck of a, a run. We will miss you. You will be back uh, for the time being, though. Now that everybody has spent 10 weeks falling in love with you on the podcast, where can we be following your stuff? Yeah, uh, so I'm currently like just doing freelance work, but uh, I'm actually planning up for a wedding in May, so I'm not, you know, outside of podcasts, not doing a whole lot of work. Um, but I will be once uh, once the wedding's all taken care of because wedding planning takes a lot of time. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Camp Final Mix, and I stream on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv/CampFinalMix. Uh, again, thanks everyone for all the love and support that I've gotten for the past uh, tenish weeks. Sweet, good stuff. Uh, you you are awesome, and thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure, my friend. So for Cam, Destin, and Miranda, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 488, and of course for Super Producer John Borba as well, who is moving on to another show. We got actually we have two <laughs> departures this week. Oh. So uh, we'll miss John. I'm sure he'll pop in from time to time when, uh, when, when the need arises. So we will see you all back here for 489 next week. Hey, just kidding. Not quite done yet. Uh, Podcast Beyond is coming up tomorrow on YouTube.com slash IGN Games. Jonathan Dornbush, host of said show. What are you guys going to be talking about on the PlayStation side? Beyond. Hey, Ryan, we're uh, we're also going to be diving into a little bit of cyberpunk and all of the news that came out uh, around CD Projekt Red and their their different philosophies of how they approach games now, uh, especially after we spent quite a bit of time uh, last November talking about cyberpunk when it first launched, even though you still can't buy it on the PlayStation Store. Uh, and then we'll be diving a little bit into the Ratchet and Clank uh, PS5 patch that actually surprise came out today, uh, which uh, I need to scramble to go play actually right after we record this. So that should be a fun time. Excellent. All right. Don't miss Podcast Beyond as well as Nintendo Voice Chat, Game Scoop, each publishing a different day of the week. We've got some fun programming on youtube.com slash IGN Games. Make sure you go subscribe for all of your favorite IGN shows. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.